Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has all the odds, props, promos, and parlays that you need during this September. Use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, with the link in the description to this episode, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. That's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in today, however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. Welcome in, everybody. Today on the show, we have taken the time over the last week to begin doing research and building out a a long-form podcast here today uh, discussing Kevin Porter Jr., the Houston Rockets guard, at the very least as of the time we're recording this, Houston Rockets guard, who last week was arrested over a domestic violence case that was detailed on in New York City. And after that story came out, I felt that this podcast, we needed to do a story on this because for those who have been listening to the show consistently going back two, three years... We have been doing stories about Kevin Porter Jr. for, at this point, what goes back four seasons in the NBA now, going back to Kevin Porter Jr.'s rookie season, or at least the end of his rookie season in 2020. I remember we began our foray into radio doing once a week, and then progressively twice a week back in the pandemic year of 2020, the summer of 2020 into the fall of 2020, and then into the spring and or winter and spring of 2021. For about nine months, we did a weekly or sometimes bi-weekly radio show with our friend Martez over at Blog Talk Radio. And I remember doing these blog talk radio shows and one of the topics that was coming up over and over again at the time, this is again from about July of 2020 until about March of 2021, and I remember doing these shows and the topic of conversation that I kept coming back to during this pot, during this radio show that was an hour once a week or twice a week was around Kevin Porter Jr., 
And this fascination with Kevin Porter Jr.'s NBA career began from hearing these stories about Kevin Porter Jr. having four of the most wild incidents you've seen of any NBA player, and he was only 20 years old when all of it was happening. And now Kevin Porter Jr. is 23 years old on his second NBA team and has, for all intents and purposes, played his final NBA game. And seeing this be the end of the journey for Kevin Porter Jr., seeing everything that's happened in the time since we were doing these long-form podcasts, I think we did three or four of them on Kevin Porter Jr. because there were three or four cases that were all popping up back to back to back between that time frame of July 2020 and March 2021. And from there, there was this interest in Kevin Porter Jr.'s career because of all these crazy incidents that were happening with him when he was on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then he gets traded to the Houston Rockets for essentially nothing. And apart from a handful of cases, which we'll discuss here today, he had been out of the news for about a year and a half. We didn't do any podcast on Kevin Porter Jr. We didn't have conversations on Kevin Porter Jr. We didn't do research stories like the one today on Kevin Porter Jr. Until last week when Kevin Porter Jr. is arrested in New York City on Monday. And so for this story, I felt there are three things I want to address here on the Ke- on this episode talking about Kevin Porter Jr. The first, and we're going to go into that right now, is... What happened in the last week with Kevin Porter Jr. attacking his girlfriend and being arrested in New York on felony assault and strangulation charges? Want to talk about that in the case that's coming up right now that will ultimately lead to criminal investigation into Kevin Porter Jr. over the coming months? Detail some of the abuse that has gone on in his relationship that has come out in the week's since his arrest, and talk about the recent developments around intimate partner violence and Kevin Porter Jr.'s behavior. The second thing that I wanted to detail is, after all of the years of following Kevin Porter Jr.'s career and these stories popping up and detailing them, I wanted to put together a full timeline of how we got to this point with Kevin Porter Jr., why this is his fifth or sixth chance in the NBA, despite the fact he's only 23 years old, in terms of misconduct and in terms of behavior that would raise yellow or red flags, why Kevin Porter Jr. had one of the few non-guaranteed contracts in the NBA with the Houston Rockets, and really putting together a timeline of Kevin Porter Jr.'s life and how we get to this point. So that's the second thing I wanted to address today. First is this case of intimate partner violence, Second is the case of Kevin Porter Jr. And the third is reflecting on one and two. So the first part of this story is about what happened within the last week with Kevin Porter Jr. And the case of felony assault, domestic violence, strangulation, and intimate partner violence that We've detailed time and time again with sports, whenever there is a famous person who engages in this conduct, it's, a, it's an opportunity to take a story like this, look at how it reflects broader society, the treatment of star athletes 
and intimate partner violence, particularly against women. I know that in male sports, there's often this heteronormative standard where it's often regarded as a male perpetrator and a female victim. The most common form of intimate partner violence comes in these in this heteronormative space. So for the sake of this conversation, I'm just going to acknowledge that this is ultimately a heteronormative conversation. There's also cases of men being perpetrators against male victims in cases of intimate partner violence, female perpetrators against female victims, and female perpetrators against male victims in intimate partner violence. Again, heteronormative standards often lead to, whenever we talk about intimate partner violence, having cases be male partners and uh, male perpetrators and female victims. In this case, that happens to be the case where Kevin Porter Jr. is the perpetrator and his girlfriend, Kaisri Gondrasek, a former WNBA player with the Indiana Fever, is the victim in this case. And right off the bat, I'm going to read the Associated Press story from Friday with the details about the case that had came out after he had originally been arrested. Uh, This is, again, courtesy of the Associated Press from uh, Michael R. Cisak, and contributing to the report is Christy Raikin of the Associated Press in Houston. Kevin Porter Jr.'s detailed attack on his girlfriend in a New York City hotel room left the woman with a fractured neck vertebra and a deep cut above her right eye, prosecutors revealed at his arraignment on Tuesday. Porter Jr., 23, pleaded not guilty to felony assault and strangulation charges in connection with the incident early Monday at the Millennium Hilton near the United Nations in Manhattan. Prosecutors say he didn't stop until his girlfriend, former WNBA player Kaisri Gondrasek, ran out into the hallway covered in blood. The NBA star, who had been in police custody since his arrest around 6.45 a.m. Monday, was released after posting bail, which was set at $75,000 cash or $100,000 bond. He was also ordered to stay away from Gondrasek. Quote, this is a serious domestic violence case, Assistant Manhattan District Attorney Myra Kurzer said in court. According to Kurzer, Porter has a history of abusing Gondrasek, including an incident in which he rammed his car into hers. Porter is due back in court in Manhattan on October 16th. The Rockets are scheduled to play a preseason game that day in San Antonio. A message seeking comment was left with Porter's lawyer. In a statement Monday, the Rockets said, We are in the process of gathering information surrounding the matter involving Kevin Porter Jr. We have no further comment at this time. According to a criminal complaint, Gondrasek told police that Porter punched her repeatedly in the face with a closed fist, causing an inches-long gash above her right eye, bruising, and substantial pain to her face. Gondrasek, 26, says Porter also wrapped his hands around her neck and strangled her, causing her to have difficulty breathing, redness, and bruising to her neck and loss of motion to her left arm. Hospital testing showed that Gondrasek sustained a fracture to one of the vertebrae in the neck, the criminal complaint said. Porter and Gondrasek started dating in February 2022, according to an anniversary message she posted on X, the social media site formerly known as Twitter. Gondrasek, the fourth pick in the 2021 WNBA draft, 
played one season for the Indiana Fever and is currently a free agent. She is also an actress and model. Porter has played four seasons in the NBA, a tenure marked by on-court prowess and off-court problems. And we'll detail some of those later in the case. So, as we have done every time we talk about cases of intimate partner violence, sexual assault, cases like this in sports where we do long-form conversations about often famous perpetrators engaging with victims who are less famous or don't have the same platform and a news story being in the news cycle because of the perpetrator not necessarily the act itself when we talk about these stories whether it's around what happened with dalvin cook uh the dozens of podcasts that we did around everything happening with deshaun watson and his pattern of sexual assault what we always do is we take this in three separate stages First, we talk about the moral and ethical case around this, the legal matter, and then any other less important, more trivial matters such as like their career, the perspective on it from the leagues that they play in, the teams of these famous athletes, whatever the case may be. It's always we want to talk about morals and ethics, legal aspects, and then anything else that's more trivial around it. And the moral and ethical aspects of this is a woman who has been abused by her partner, and because you have this arrest on Monday, a larger pattern of intimate partner violence and abuse is beginning to come to light with detailed cases that were already known privately and are now being aired more publicly. And beyond the immense empathy that we feel for Kaisri Grandezek and victims of intimate partner violence in similar situations to what Gondrzek was experiencing, there aren't a ton of details around what else was being engaged in in intimate partner violence here. Uh, The details in the Associated Press story about, at one point, Porter Jr. ramming his car into hers. Um, They detail in the district attorney's uh, initial findings that there's a pattern of intimate partner violence and assault situations which... More details will come to light, and I wish that I could provide those with context in this story. We just don't have enough information to be able to detail this pattern of abuse over the span of their, according to Gondrzek's Instagram posts of when they started dating, a relationship that spanned about 19 months. So there's allusions and details to a pattern of intimate partner violence across 19-month relationship and beyond the immense empathy that we feel for Gondrzek and the the disgust and the disdain around a person who is abusing someone in an intimate partner situation, beyond that case and just acknowledging that this is a really despicable situation there aren't as many details i'd like to be able to provide to really lay out the case specifically just want to always acknowledge the moral and ethical case and many of the details that we listed here beyond um gondrzek having a fractured vertebrae cuts above her right eye major bruising uh strangulation and hospital tests confirmed the Bruising and the injuries that Gondrzek sustained are compatible with 
choking and strangulation, which is what Porter Jr. was arrested for in part. So those are details that we should acknowledge and bring to light is specifically what was happening to Gondrzejk, the injuries that she sustained as a result of intimate partner violence, as well as a longer pattern of intimate partner violence across 19 months within their relationship. So that's moral and ethical case around this immense empathy for victims in this case that want that compel me to want to do stories like this when we t- to do right and our form of doing right is by bringing light to cases like this with the hope that it will inspire some level of change or inspire people to look more into this story and potentially make a positive impact in some direction as it relates to intimate partner violence or where people see fit. And it's my call to action is to turn on this microphone and do a podcast that just might reach a couple people who are impacted by a story like this. That's my moral and ethical obligation around this, much higher than the legal aspects of this case, which we can now dive into. Uh, It would appear that there is pretty clear, concise evidence to be able to at least proceed with a criminal uh, a criminal investigation and ultimately a criminal trial into what Kevin Porter Jr. did. There's details of a history and pattern of intimate partner violence, uh, clear, concise details of the time that these events occurred, what was happening during the incident where Kevin Porter Jr. is strangulating and, and beating up his girlfriend in a intimate partner violence circumstance when you have Kevin Porter Jr. being arrested and then you having the the medical information of Gondrzek that is compatible with the charges and, and details that are being alleged here. Um, some detail, as I mentioned a second ago, some detailed patterns of intimate partner violence previously in their relationship, it would appear that there's enough evidence to be able to at the very least proceed with a criminal investigation and ultimately lead to a criminal trial in the state of New York. Other than that, there's not a ton of details that you can really point to other than Kevin Porter Jr. is going to go back to court, they're going to charge him, and he will probably be walking free for a time as they proceed with the criminal investigation here. And it might not be a big enough news story that we follow up on it unless there's some big development within the criminal, the criminal trial proceedings. So that's the legal aspect of this case. There is, I don't know, uh, in New York, there is a slightly, I guess, relatively speaking, a, lower standard for proceeding with a criminal uh, felony assault and strangulation charge and proceeding with a criminal case in that. Um, Jail time ranging from uh, a a couple months in some cases to I believe it was 12 years is many of the cases. This is according to uh, the uh, Associated Press and We'll see what ends up happening with the case. Again, not as many details as we would prefer to really be able to lay out a legal case relative to like what we did with the Deshaun Watson case, where we detailed different aspects of the criminal investigation and the criminal case that was ultimately thrown out, the um, then uh, civil court cases that ended up being settled eventually, 
and all the details that we could provide on that and, and charging in the state of Texas, which has a higher bar for criminal sexual assault than potentially other states. Not as many details as there were to that case because this is still very recent and there haven't been a ton of developments about what the criminal investigation will reveal or what will end up coming of the case. And then the third part, which again is the more trivial, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because it's less important than the moral and ethical and legal aspects of this case. From the NBA standpoint, Kevin Porter Jr.'s probably played his last game in the NBA. The Rockets are trying to dump him so that someone else will pay the $16 million on his contract that are still guaranteed if no one is willing to take then the Rockets will just cut Kevin Porter Jr. and eat the $16 million that they owe him. And Kevin Porter Jr. will likely not play in the NBA again for the foreseeable future. The second part of the Kevin Porter Jr. story that I wanted to detail is putting together a timeline of events. Because as I detailed at the beginning of the podcast... When we first started learning about Kevin Porter Jr., we were doing blog talk radio once, twice a week from about the summer of 2020 and COVID until March Madness of 2021. And during those nine months, there was like four news stories around Kevin Porter Jr. that we continually brought up on the air in a more sympathetic case, but more so in the sense of, This is one of the crazier stories in the NBA, and we don't really know exactly how to tackle such a story like this, because we don't really know enough of the details to dive into the intersectionality of all of this stuff, from uh, talking about criminal cases and potentially mental health issues, um, cases where Kevin Porter Jr. is present at some of these strange incidents but necessarily isn't necessarily the person who is at the front of this to or or is not necessarily the person who is directly involved in such a case uh to the fact that he was 20 years old and all of this is happening and how you process a situation with a 20 year old who's going through all sorts of all sorts of like potentially criminal behavior and also behavior that is is condoned within the space of the NBA locker room, sometimes rewarded, um, and then adding in the mental health stuff around this and ultimately the criminal stuff around Kevin Porter Jr., the fines and suspensions internally within the NBA. There's so much stuff around Kevin Porter Jr. that probably a lot of people didn't know even before this story brought it back to light within the last week or maybe still don't even know. So what I wanted to do is put together a full timeline of events With Kevin Porter Jr. And I think the important context to start with is that when Kevin Porter Jr. was growing up in Washington State, uh, was born in the Seattle area, grew up in Washington State, uh, Kevin Porter Jr.'s father in 1993 was convicted in a murder case involving a 14-year-old girl's death and... I believe served some level of time in prison, although it's not confirmed that that is the case. And then Kevin Porter Jr. was born in 2000. And in 2004, Kevin Porter Jr.'s father, 
was murdered in a shooting and Kevin Porter Jr. was raised by his mother following the death of his dad when he was four years old. And then when Kevin Porter Jr. gets to high school as this top basketball prospect in Seattle, he was the number one high school prospect in the state of Washington during his time in high school. Kevin Porter Jr. actively chose to enroll at Rainier Beach High School instead of Odea High School in Seattle, even though Odea High School was the top basketball school, local, whatever the the case may be, specifically wanted to go to Rainier Beach High School because he wanted to be coached by the same man who coached his father in high school. At the same school, coached by the coach that his dad had played for in high school. And so... I don't know exactly where the details of that kind of reside, but there's this kind of like following in your father's footsteps kind of story behind it, that he actively wanted to play for the coach who his father had played for at the school that his dad went to, going out of his way to play for a a school that his father had been at. And then Kevin Porter Jr. had a number of instances where he was suspended during high school, incidents with coaches, incidents with players, but ultimately is the the number one high school basketball player in the state of Washington, five-star prospect, four-and-a-half-star prospect. Uh, his recruiting, at one point, he was the 16th highest recruit in all of the country for basketball, and he is a one-and-done prospect at this point. And Kevin Porter Jr. then goes to... USC for the 2018-2019 season. And at USC in January of 2019, Porter Jr. was again suspended indefinitely by USC. Ultimately, that indefinite suspension led to a two-game suspension before he was allowed to return for a game against Arizona. There weren't any details that really came out about what that indefinite suspension entailed. And... Andy Enfield, who's still the coach at USC, ended up bringing him back off the bench two games later, and he finished out the rest of the season and then declared to the NBA for the 2019 draft and was regarded as a a late lottery prospect, top 20 type prospect, fell to number 30 and was picked by Cleveland in part because of the suspensions going back to college and just NBA teams doing their research on some of the cases in high school and why he was suspended indefinitely by USC, despite the fact that he was USC's highest basketball recruit to land at the school in a decade. DeMar DeRozan was the five-star prospect from Compton who ended up going to USC, Porter Jr. is a five-star from Washington who ended up going to USC a decade later, and Porter Jr. was their biggest basketball recruit since DeMar DeRozan. So despite the fact that he was their most talented player, they were still willing to levy an indefinite suspension, and perhaps part of Porter Jr. coming back after two games had something to do with the immense talent and incentives of the school to bring the player back, despite originally 
ruling for an indefinite suspension, of which we don't really know the details of what went into that suspension. So, vague, but nonetheless, there was cases with him in high school and in college in which he had been suspended for various reasons by his teams. And so he gets drafted in June of 2020 by the Cavs with the 30th pick in the NBA draft, uh, plays out his rookie season in the NBA without a whole lot of hoopla. Uh, He's a bench player for the Cavaliers, uh, played in some 50 games, averaged about 10 points a game, not a whole lot going on. This was the Cavs teams that were really bad too. Uh, this was he was drafted in their first year post LeBron, so this would have been Colin Sexton, rookie year Darius Garland, uh, John Beeline would have been the coach of the Cavaliers for that season, so that went really poorly. For those who don't remember, John Beeline was hired as the Michigan coach came into the Cavaliers, was basically Urban Meyer, but for NBA in terms of him flopping as head coach of the Cavaliers, got fired by February of 2020. So altogether just dropped into, Kevin Porter Jr. is then dropped into one of the worst coaching situations any team has ever experienced in the NBA. And not a whole lot of like Kevin Porter Jr. specific controversy when he gets to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then Kevin Porter Jr. gets into the offseason of 2020 with the pandemic. So first year in Cleveland, ends up getting cut short because of the pandemic, completely tumultuous season with John Beeline. And then Kevin Porter Jr. in August of 2020 is... Part of an incident in which a police report is filed detailing how Porter Jr. punched a woman in the face and grabbed her hair at a Cleveland establishment. I don't know if it was, I say establishment just because I don't know if it was a nightclub or a restaurant or what it was, but in a police report is detailed to have punched a woman in the face and grabbed her hair after his sister got into an altercation with the woman at this Cleveland establishment. Police report was filed, no criminal case proceeds, no charging, uh, nothing like that. The only evidence that really is public at this point is a video of the woman and her friends testifying to the police about what happened, which led to the police report being filed. But again, no charges were ever brought, didn't proceed with anything beyond that. And... Porter Jr. ended up not having anything really come of that. And again, this was August of 2020. And then October 16th of 2020, you have Kevin Porter Jr. posting with a black box on Instagram uh, the caption that said, you ever wish to see the end of your time, followed by, a dove emoji, a blue heart, and a rose. And most people interpreted this as being a potentially suicidal message, something that was cause for concern. Uh, There was allegedly a wellness check that was done on him after this was detailed. Porter Jr. said that people had taken that whole situation out of context. However... It was something that piqued my 
attention to this story. And this was where I started getting more... This was, I think, the first of the stories that we started detailing on these blog talk radio shows we were doing back in 2020. And that story led me to discover about Kevin Porter Jr.'s father and Kevin Porter Jr.'s time at USC and how there was a suspension in 2019, how Kevin Porter Jr. ended up getting to the NBA in 2019, and then the details about the punching a woman in Cleveland had just started coming to light around the same time. And then one month later, after October 16th, 2020, posting a message that's interpreted as suicidal, uh, allegedly a wellness check is done on Porter Jr. after the fact, One month later, in November of 2020, specifically November 15th, 2020, Kevin Porter Jr. is found by police in a car that has flipped over. He's the driver in the car. The car is flipped over. He's rescued from the car. No real damage is sustained, but the car is flipped upside down. Porter Jr. is taken out of the car and... Minor injuries are sustained, and they find a loaded gun and small amounts of marijuana in the car with him. And when you take that story combined with the suicidal message that he had posted a month before, we started following that story and thinking about, oh, this is a case of a young person who is really struggling with mental health and well-being, while at the same time recognizing that he had had outbursts that led to suspensions in his time in college and in high school, and had been detailed to have had punched a woman in August of 2020, which was a detail that we knew about, probably didn't take with as much seriousness as we should have when talking about the mental health and well-being of this young person. Uh, In part because there weren't as many details, and in part because it becomes a story that becomes more important now that we have the case of him and his intimate partner violence with Miss Gondrzek. And so, you have November of 2020, Kevin Porter Jr. found turned over in a car he was driving with a loaded gun and small amounts of marijuana one month after you have a suicidal message posted to his Instagram that leads to some connecting the dots on, is this person having a mental breakdown? Is this person okay? And Kevin Porter Jr. now becomes a person that I'm more interested in, in part because at the time of all of this happening, Kevin Porter Jr. is 19 years old. Or, sorry, he had just turned 20 years old. So he had just turned 20 years old when all of this is happening. And so that's one of those stories where I look at, and like, this is essentially a teenager who is going through the heart of the pandemic, going through living a, a life that you could be interpreting as like following in the footsteps of his father, who he never really got to know, and simultaneously having 
all of the struggles that come with being a teenager playing professional basketball and all the weight of expectation that comes along with that, it seemed like this person might be having a mental breakdown. And Kevin Porter Jr. becomes this person that I become more interested in because you have two really, or really three really strange cases all within the span of like three months that happened to this person from the incident in Cleveland where he's punching a woman after an argument and an altercation between his sister and the woman in the group that they were with. When you have him posting a suicidal message to Instagram in the heart of the pandemic in October of 2020, and you have in November of 2020, him being found in an upside down car with a loaded gun and marijuana in the car. Like that's just a situation where I'm looking at, is this young person going to be okay is this a young person who's in distress what is happening with kevin porter jr that we don't know the details about and the third story i think that really piqued our interest came two months later in january of 2021 and it was right before the nba trade deadline this is again two months after the loaded uh the the loaded gun in the car by the way just for the sake of continuity in december of 2021 charges of uh misdemeanor which again misdemeanors are less in, less uh less serious charges than felonies misdemeanor charges for having the gun in the car and for having marijuana and also for driving without a license which is just an interesting part of this story that kevin border jr didn't have a driver's license at that point um all of those charges end up getting dropped in december of 2021 from the turned over car incident in november of 2020 or sorry in december of 2020 for the incident in november of 2020 and then like i was saying the third case is january 17th 2021 where the Cleveland Cavaliers traded for Torian Prince. And when the team arrived after, it was either after a road trip or during a road trip, Kevin Porter Jr. had his locker traded for Torian Prince. And they were going to move his locker to another place because I think at the time Porter Jr. was hurt and wasn't playing with the team actively. So they took Kevin Porter Jr.'s locker and moved it to Torian Prince's locker. And when Kevin Porter Jr. saw that Torian Prince was taking over his locker, he lost his shit, tore up Torian Prince's locker, and started yelling and screaming at people within the locker room about them moving his locker around. And the Cleveland Cavaliers sent him home after that instance, Kobe Altman, the general manager of the team, said that they were going to look to move him somewhere else, that like this was the final straw in what had only been a year and a half partnership with Kevin Porter Jr. And four days later, Kevin Porter Jr. was traded from the Cleveland Cavaliers to the Houston Rockets in exchange for essentially nothing. It was a top 55 protected second round pick that ultimately got protected. So... They gave away Kevin Porter Jr. to the Houston Rockets essentially for nothing, despite the fact that they had invested a first-round pick in him, despite the fact that he had been averaging 10 to 13 points a game as a, a bench player for the Cleveland Cavaliers 
was someone that they had a vested interest in and they essentially gave up on him. And this was the third instance. And again, we were doing these blog talk radio shows at the time. And I remember when that happened and Kevin Porter Jr. is tearing up the locker room in Cleveland and he's getting traded to the Houston Rockets for essentially nothing, despite all of the vested interest that Cleveland had in him, which you now have four cases within a span of six months involving this player where he's, again, from the timeline, punching a woman in the face at a Cleveland establishment after an altercation between his sister and the group that they were with, then posting suicidal message on Instagram in October of 2020, then in November of 2020 is found in a car that he does, he's not without a driver's license, is found in a car turned over with a loaded gun and marijuana in the car, and then two months later is tearing up the locker room in Cleveland because they've moved his locker for Torian Prince's and the Cleveland Cavaliers essentially cut bait with him and give him away for nothing. That was the moment where I looked at that and I'm like, wow, this is a, this is a story that is not getting enough attention. This is a player who is not getting enough. This is a story that looks like, and again, we have four cases that might start to confirm this. This is a young person who is potentially having a mental breakdown this is a young person who is potentially you know everyone talks about the oh person who throws his career away or has the off the court concerns but this felt like a person who was really in distress or was sabotaging himself or what or was going above and beyond many of the crazy patterns that we talk about when you think of the eccentricities of NBA players or the eccentricities of athletes, this was one of those cases where it felt like, wow, this is a young person who's really in distress. And Kevin Porter Jr. ends up going to the Houston Rockets and gets essentially assigned to their G League team. So now he's out of the NBA. And he's in the G League for about two months, gets called up to the Rockets team at the end of the season, and this was... For those who remember, this was the season that James Harden was fat-suiting his way out of Houston. He had been traded, I want to say, like a week earlier before the Rockets acquired Kevin Porter Jr. So the Rockets had decided when they got Kevin Porter Jr., we are tearing this shit to the ground. And if we're going to tank, we are the team that can take a risk on a 21-year-old former first-round pick five-star prospect coming out of high school who has this pattern of off-the-court issues, but we think we can fix them. And if we're going to get them for free, we are the team that can afford to take a risk on this player. And so Houston, then the season is over. They're tanking. They're going to draft Jalen Green in the 2021 draft. Houston is tanking. They bring Kevin Porter Jr. back from the G League. He comes out and he averages 18 points a game to end the season. And all of a sudden, they're looking at him and saying, we just got a steal. We just got a player who another team gave up on for off-the-court stuff and we're the organization that will be able to get the best out of this person. And in April of 2021... When Kevin Porter Jr. first gets back to the NBA, we have a fourth strange instance with Kevin Porter Jr. where 
his Houston Rocket teammate Sterling Brown. And remember, this was the year post-COVID with the bubble so that the regular season didn't end until May and the playoffs didn't end until July. So at the end of the regular season in April of 2021, when there's no fans in in a lot of these arenas, NBA still has all the COVID protocols, you have a case in April of 2021 where Houston Rockets player Sterling Brown is getting stabbed outside of a nightclub in, I want to say, Miami. And Sterling Brown got stabbed in a fight or an altercation at a Miami nightclub. And on the news report, with Sterling Brown talking to news crews in the parking lot, you have Kevin Porter Jr. standing in the background talking about what's happening, or I don't know if he's talking, but you just see a news story done about NBA player getting stabbed at a Miami nightclub or a Miami strip club. And in the background of the news report is Kevin Porter Jr. So Kevin Porter Jr. is present as Sterling Brown is getting stabbed at a nightclub in Miami playing for the Houston Rockets. And Kevin Porter Jr. gets a $50,000 fine from the NBA for breaking COVID protocols. And that's just one of those cases where I'm like, wow, we've found already three wild news stories with Kevin Porter Jr. Three or four cases that you, you don't see one of these with an NBA player. Nonetheless, two, three, four, and now five of these types of strange news stories involving NBA players. And now you have Kevin Porter Jr. being part of Sterling Brown getting stabbed. And then that's a weird case. He's getting fined for breaking COVID protocol. And it's one of those cases where just another weird instance to log in the back of your head. But besides the point, the season ends. He averaged 16 or 18 points a game for the Rockets to end that season. And the Rockets end up signing him to a four-year, $82 million contract extension with only about $15 million of it guaranteed because they don't want to guarantee four years of his contract given his pattern of off-the-court instances, incidents, and the way that he got out of Cleveland in the first place. So they hedged their bet on Kevin Porter Jr., but they still are willing to say, we're a team that's rebuilding, we have a new coach in Steven Silas, we can afford to take on this player, but we're also not going to guarantee his contract, which is something that never happens in the NBA. Rarely ever do players agree to non-guaranteed contracts in the NBA. This was the only contract Kevin Porter Jr. was going to be offered after two years in the league. And so after the 2021 season, they offer Kevin Porter Jr. a four-year, $82 million extension with only $15 million guaranteed. And at the press conference announcing the extension, Kevin Porter Jr. says, and I think this was in September of 2021, Kevin Porter Jr. says, the, they, the Houston Rockets saved my life. When they traded for me, the Rockets saved my life. Which is a line that went around NBA Twitter circles for a couple days and in my mind connected back to Kevin Porter Jr. talking about being, uh, again, going back to the, the Instagram post that he had a year earlier in October of 2020, you ever wish to see the end of your time, White Dove, 
blue heart rose emoji and the black square next to it and the well, the alleged wellness check and everything else and you continue to connect the dots on hey this is a young person in distress this is a young person who is dealing with the pressures of walking in your dad's shadow or whatever pressures he felt around that and deciding to want to go to the co- to play for the coach that his dad played for and never getting to know his father because of his father's death and everything that happens with that that I don't know about connect the dots on I don't know what was happening with Kevin Porter Jr. in that respect. But you connect the story of his childhood in Seattle. You connect that to his high school days and his college days with being incredibly talented and also having altercations with teammates and players and coaches to then getting to Cleveland, to going through everything in the pandemic, to the suicidal message, to the car being turned over with a loaded gun, to... Then his way out of Cleveland, where Cleveland essentially gives up on him because of his off-the-court concerns and gives him to Houston for nothing, to getting back to the NBA, to now reaching a place that feels like he has security for the rest of his life. $15 million guarantee feels like he's made it. He's gotten to that second contract in the NBA. He is secure. He is safe. To get to that point and making it feel like you've gotten to the place where you now have security for all of that to happen to Kevin Porter Jr. within the span of like two years and for him to still at the time only be 21 years old felt like a moment of we made it we made it to the the goal we got the contract and him saying the Rockets saved my life was something that continued to connect the dots on young person in distress young person in distress and that was the way that he responded to it and so he ends up signing that contract in January of, on New Year's Day, January of 2021. He got suspended by the team for one game and fined a bunch of money because he and Christian Wood fought each other at halftime during a game. And it led to an internal suspension, a fine, all sorts of stuff. Um, Christian Wood ended up getting shipped out of Houston a year later. So even after that altercation, the team chose Kevin Porter Jr., prioritized him over Christian Wood and the one game suspension by Steven Silas ended up being the result of that Um, sometime during the 2022 season there was an instance where they were at a nightclub and he got into a fight with the DJ and he took the DJ's laptop and just started smashing it on the ground there's a which is another case I mean it's it's criminal in the sense of property destruction but it's another instance of violence in an altercation that is another, not necessarily a flag itself, but just something that piques your interest when you know detailed to have punched a woman in the face after an altercation in 2020. Detail was there and, and part of the fight that led to Sterling Brown getting stabbed at a nightclub in 2021 in Miami to the case of him yelling and screaming and fighting with the the Cleveland Cavaliers after Torian Prince's locker was taken over, to him fighting with Christian Wood in the locker room and having it be so bad that it deserved a one-game suspension by the team, to instances in college that we don't know details about that led to an indefinite suspension for the most talented prospect USC has had since DeMar DeRozan a decade earlier. All of these little instances are things that click in your mind about Kevin Porter Jr. and what's happening with the -the off-the-court cases. And is this a young person in distress who is fighting people out of anger? 
and inhibiting violence on people, and then you have him smashing a DJ's laptop to avoid beating, I mean, I would assume to avoid fighting with the DJ himself, and th- and that adds another case to this. At the same season that he's fighting with Christian Wood, this an- uh, and this is the third, fourth, fifth season in a row that he's had some sort of instance like this. It's a case that just clicks in your mind, and then one month after the Christian Wood fight that led to a one-game suspension, around the same time as the DJ laptop circumstance, in February of 2022, Kevin Porter Jr. begins dating Kaisri Gondrzak, and Gondrzak and him date for about 19 months, and as we saw detailed by the Associated Press and detailed by... Uh, news stories like CBS Sports that we used for this research, the Los Angeles Times, other stories that we used for research in this story. You have what I imagine will continue to come out as the criminal investigation continues, a repeated pattern of violent behavior, intimate partner violence that corroborates a lot of the detailed uh, instances that we see in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 and 2022 around Kevin Porter Jr. The reasons that we were so interested in his story in the first place back in 2020, because you have a case of him having a a, a police report filed for punching a woman in the face in 2020. And then you have the suicidal message on Instagram in October of 2020. And then him being charged with uh, with misdemeanors after his car is turned up, a car that he's driving without a license is turned upside down with a loaded gun and marijuana in the car to his fight where he tore up the Cleveland locker room and was yelling and fighting with people on the staff that led to him getting essentially cut by the Cavaliers to then having the case where he's part of Sterling Brown getting stabbed at a nightclub during COVID in, in April of 2021 to then the case where he's fighting Christian Wood and getting a one-game suspension, to breaking the laptop of a DJ in 2022. All of it exhibits a pattern of behavior that then, over 19 months, culminates with what we saw on Monday, where he's arrested for felony assault and strangulation. We have a detailed pattern of intimate partner violence going back 19 months, and I assume more details that will come out over the span of the next, call it, few weeks, months, however long the the case will continue to process for. And seeing that story, having this come back into the news almost three years after we first started following this Kevin Porter Jr. story... Leads me to the third part of this podcast that I wanted to discuss, which is what is essentially a perspective on this Kevin Porter Jr. case. Because when we first started talking about Kevin Porter Jr., the connecting point for me was, is this a young person in distress? Is this a young person who is struggling to deal with all of the burdens and pressures of being a professional athlete, of carrying the the burden of his childhood in Seattle to then 
getting out of Seattle and making it to the NBA as a top prospect, to be the one in a million who makes it to the NBA, to then everything that's happening with the COVID-19 pandemic and having basketball taken away from him, potentially everything that happened in that incredibly tumultuous season with John Beeline and the Cleveland Cavaliers in his rookie season, to everything that happened in the pandemic year, to then getting out of Houston after or getting out of Cleveland after a year and a half because Cleveland is fed up with the off the court stuff that's a pattern of behavior for everything that happened with Kevin Porter Jr from 20 from about summer of 2020 to summer of 2021 everything that happened with him that was our connecting point to the story what was happening when we weren't paying attention to Kevin Porter Jr., when the stories stopped coming out about what was happening to Kevin Porter Jr., and what happened when that energy that had led to five to six known instances of aggression, violence, destroying property, fighting people, damage to himself, what happens when 19 months of a relationship with a woman and a repeated pattern of behavior around it, uh, of intimate partner violence, aggression, and violence towards this woman, what happens when all of that goes undercover? What happens when all of that goes under wraps? And what happens when this becomes a case of a, not only a young per, not just a young person who is in distress and a young person who might be a danger to himself and a young person struggling through all of the stuff that we've talked about over the last 30 plus minutes? What happens when it becomes a young person in distress to becoming a young person inflicting harm on others? When does that cha- where does that change and at what point is there a responsibility to step in and reevaluate that case? Because now it's become is this person okay to yes this person may be okay or may not be okay and this person is also actively inflicting harm upon another person. This person is actively a perpetrator in an intimate partner violence case. And both of those things can coexist simultaneously. At what point does that become a conversation point of where we used to see Kevin Porter Jr.'s case with crazy instances of fights in nightclubs, a a teammate being stabbed at a nightclub during the middle of COVID protocols in the middle of an NBA season? Him talking about suicide, him having posted suicidal messages, him having a really strange instance of being in a car that's turned upside down with a gun in his, him having a gun in his car loaded and marijuana to everything that happened in the locker room that isn't necessarily anything we would know about if not for the fame and notoriety of an NBA player who's who feels like they're having a breakdown and exhibiting violence and aggression against others as a form of coping. What happens when that becomes something more serious? What happens when it's a person who's a danger to themselves becomes a danger to others around them? And how do we still exhibit empathy and sympathy for that person when they're actively doing harm to another person? There are no right answers here. Different people set their morals in different places. For me, as someone who enters this story as someone originally very concerned for the well-being of Kevin Porter and like looking at this as hey is this a young person in distress is this a case of someone who is having a mental breakdown right in front of our eyes and no one's really paying attention to it because we don't know this person all that well we only know them 
because they're a famous athlete? What happens when that extends further to now this person is an active harm to others? Now this person is a perpetrator who is abusing his girlfriend. What happens when that story evolves like that? And how do we adjust and adapt? I'm not quite sure how I feel about that case other than feeling the immense empathy and and real feeling empathy and sympathy for the woman who's a victim in this case and wanting to do right by her by bringing this story to light and pointing to the perpetrator and Kevin Porter Jr. who is a famous person engaging in intimate partner violence and re- and reminding ourselves that this happens on a day-to-day basis with people that we know people who are not famous it have circumstances of intimate partner violence. Many of it happens in front of our eyes, and because we don't have enough information, we don't know how to act and proceed in that case. We don't know how to have a positive influence, how to help people who are victims of intimate partner violence. All of that comes into this factor once you know the details about 19 months with a pattern of intimate partner violence and how that matches up with the timeline that we used to know about Kevin Porter Jr. and these instances that felt like uh, he was becoming a, a threat to himself and potentially to the people around him. Now we have the confirmation of a threat to people around him with immediate details of intimate partner violence that will lead to a cr- potentially him losing his freedom. All of that connects together in a really complex case, and I don't know quite how to look at his career in retrospective, because his career is over for all intents and purposes. How do we look at this story over three to four years, look at it in retrospective and say, where did we see this coming? Should we have been able to see this coming? Are these red flags like punching a woman after an altercation at a Cleveland restaurant. Cases of him being found up in a car, turned upside down with a loaded gun, one month after posting a suicidal message. To him a year later saying that going to Houston saved his life. How do we take all of that and connect it to what's happened within the last 19 months, while at the same time having limited information about what was exactly going on with him and Gondrzejk? Over the last 19 months beyond the details that are slowly being released by the New York district attorney and the investigation into his criminal case and correlate that with a young person in distress who's also about to lose their freedom potentially like how do we connect all of that together into one story I don't quite know how to do it but I'm giving it the best effort that I can here on today's show. And I think that's probably the best place to close this out. This is a really complex story that I probably didn't give enough attention to over the last two years. And it took a big public story filled with egregious details around Kevin Porter Jr. to bring that story back to light. Hopefully we did a well enough job to put all of the last three years into perspective around Kevin Porter Jr., and as more details come out, perhaps we'll learn a little bit more about this about this really complex three-year journey we've been on with this person's story that has been fascinating at times, has been appalling at times, and is also something that I feel deserves the light of day, not just for the sake of the sto- of the continuity and the story that we've been following for the last three years, but also to do justice by the victim in this case 
of into of 19 months of intimate partner violence between herself and Kevin Porter Jr. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and we will be continuing to do long-form podcasts like this as well as the other silly stuff that we do around this podcast space. Uh, Thank you for supporting the show. If you're new here, five-star reviews, greatly appreciated, but ultimately what I hope you take away from this show is just some new information and new perspective around this specific case and cases like this around intimate partner violence. So thank you for stopping into today's show. We will talk to you again soon. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.